the most destructive force in our fallen world. Uh, medical studies indicate that internalized anger leads to a long list of diseases and causes of premature death. Unresolved anger causes depression and sleep disorders, traumatic stress, and inspires a host of self-destructive habits such as alcoholism and drug addiction. You know, in real life, uh, pent-up anger uh, isn't released in the form of steam uh, out of the ears like in the cartoons. No, internalized anger stays inside and does a lot of damage. The destructive effects of externalized anger are much more obvious. Externalized anger gets expressed in uh, various forms of verbal abuse, physical intimidation, road rage, fights, arguments, insults, bitter resentments, and torn up friendships and broken relationships. You know, a case can be made that unresolved anger is the most destructive force in our fallen world, and this case is supported by Scripture. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are banished from the Garden of Eden because of their rebellion against God. Then immediately after their exit from Eden, in chapter 4 of Genesis, the Bible gives us the first description of the destructiveness of sin, and it is the sin of unresolved anger. In Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve's grown sons named Cain and Abel uh, are bringing sacrifices to God. And Abel sacrificed his best to God, whereas Cain brought his leftovers to God. And as a result, God accepted Cain's gift, but uh, not Uh, accepted Abel's gift, but not Cain's gift. And so scripture says that Cain's heart was full of rage and his face was downcast. And then we're told that God spoke to Cain and said, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you will just do right, I will certainly accept you. But Cain gave God the silent treatment. And instead of responding to uh, God's questions, uh, Cain brought his brother Abel out into the field and murdered him. And it's significant that after the fall, the first sin act recorded in Scripture is the destruction that emerges from unresolved anger. And maybe you're like Cain today. Uh, You're here today and your face is downcast because you're angry about something. Well, if you're angry like Cain, God wants to offer you some rage remedies today. But here's a surprising twist. Um, God has been impressing upon me his desire to speak to you even more today if you are an able. If you're an angry Cain, well, God has something to say to you today. But if you are an able, you are the victim of an angry Cain. God especially wants to speak to your heart and encourage your heart in these moments from his word. You're an able if you're the victim of an angry person. 
Or maybe you're about to be the victim of an angry person. You're about to be enabled because someone's going to come at you this week with some angry language or some angry action, and there's going to be a confrontation. Maybe Monday morning uh, you will learn that someone is upset with you and comes to you in a confrontation, and God wants to prepare you today to respond in a Christ-like way tomorrow. God wants to teach you today how to apply his rage remedies so that you respond to anger in a healthy way tomorrow. You know, maybe tomorrow uh, your teenage daughter is, uh, is going to get really angry at you because you're going to explain that she is not allowed to go to an unsupervised kind of frat-style party with her friends. And she will respond with intense rage and seething anger. How are you going to respond? Uh, Maybe tomorrow your neighbor is going to come to your front door with veins throbbing uh, with anger in her neck to accuse your dog of digging up her flower garden. How are you going to respond? Maybe tomorrow your spouse is going to snap at you or kind of give you one of those sarcastic comments. How are you going to respond? Maybe tomorrow your boss is going to fly off the handle again and without justification berate your work and uh, call you stupid. How are you going to respond? Throughout Scripture, God supplies rage remedies designed to teach his people how to respond to angry people in confrontation. But today, we're going to focus on just a few sentences from the book of James, chapter 1. Would you please turn your Bible to uh, the letter that James wrote to the church, uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 19. Maybe you are enabled today, or you will be tomorrow. How should you respond if you become the victim of an angry person in a confrontation? Well, God supplies his rage remedies in these words from James chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. All right, before we analyze the component parts of God's rage remedies here, uh, it's important to first see the big picture. And in the big picture here in James chapter 1, in these few sentences, God is instructing me to avoid the two unhealthy responses to an angry person. The two unhealthy responses to an angry person are rage escalating, that's one, and number two, rage absorbing. The first unhealthy response to a rage-filled person is to escalate the angry person's anger. And the most obvious way that I escalate the anger of a rage-filled person is to retaliate with my own anger. If my neighbor comes to me with a throbbing anger and accuses my dog of digging up her flower garden, and I respond with some angry words of my own like, my dog wouldn't touch your pitiful excuse for a flower garden, what am I doing? I'm just escalating the rage. I may not want to admit it, but whenever I respond to anger with more anger, what I'm trying to do is intimidate the other person. And intimidation always provokes more anger. 
When I respond with intimidation, this will cause the other person to either uh, power up with increased externalized anger or will cause the person to back down with more internalized anger. Either way, I escalate the rage. If I tell my uh, teenage daughter that she can't go to a party that she wants to go to with her friends and she responds with some loud, angry words, I only escalate the anger when I try to shut her down with intimidation saying, don't you get angry with me. I'll give you something to be angry about. I'll give you something to be sorry about. You go to your room and you don't come out until blah, 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 blah. Whenever I retaliate by trying to cap another person's anger by intimidating them to back down, the result is rage escalation as the person adds the rage of being shut down to her original anger. Responding to an angry person with any kind of retaliation anger only escalates the rage. And Jesus teaches his followers to reject that approach. As his follower, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus tells me to refuse rage escalating when he says, I tell you, do not resist an evil or angry person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him, the other also. Now, we can't unpack everything that Jesus is saying here. All we can do here is extract the main point. And the main point is that Jesus teaches me to never respond to an angry person with retaliating anger or intimidation because it is unhealthy, it only escalates the anger, and it's not God's way of responding to an angry person. The second unhealthy way to respond to a rage-filled person is to absorb the angry person's anger. I'm rage-absorbing when I passively let someone's anger dominate my life. I'm rage-absorbing when I outwardly appease angry people while inside I fume because I'm innocent. I'm rage-absorbing when I let angry people silence me, leaving me with repressed anger. I'm rage-absorbing if I let people pour abuse on me while I'm passive on the, in, on the outside and seething on the inside. Just as Jesus calls me to avoid rage escalating, Jesus commands me not to absorb anger. Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 18 uh, to refuse rage absorbing when he says, If you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that someone has something against you, First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. And if your brother sins against you, go show him his fault just between the two of you. So you see, Jesus never teaches his people to just absorb anger. Jesus says, if someone is angry with you, don't absorb the rage. You must attempt to resolve the rage. Jesus commands me to actively resolve anger, not just passively absorb it. And this is very important because there are well, I'd say most of us who consider ourselves spiritual know that it's not a spiritual thing to respond to anger with escalation. But many of us uh, fool ourselves into thinking that 
we're being Christian by absorbing anger in a passive way. There's nothing Christ-like about appeasing people because you're too chicken to do the hard work of attempting to resolve anger issues in your relationships. People who are prone to rage absorbing will sometimes misapply the biblical concept of forgiveness. If you are uh, in a relationship where you are the victim of repeated anger abuse, it is not God's will for you to passively absorb the rage under the excuse that you're just being forgiving. God did not create you to be anyone's whipping boy or whipping girl. If you grew up in a home like that, and that's what you were, then here's the good news. The Heavenly Father wants to re-parent you so that you know the truth, that He did not create you to be anybody's whipping boy or whipping girl. And some of you uh, have an occasionally abusive boss. And the right thing for you to do is to sit down with him and say something like this. Hey, Kurt, uh, I've been working for you for five years, and I'd like to go another five. But every once in a while, you just blow your stack, and you say things that my memory can't erase. You say things uh, that, about me being an idiot or stupid, and even though you apologize later, the damage is done. And unless you can take a new approach to your anger for the sake of my inner spirit and dignity, I can't afford to work for you. I just can't afford it. Or maybe some of you need to talk to some family members uh, and say, listen, I can't visit your house with my family and you can't visit my house until the relationship dynamics change here. If you demonstrate that you're willing to stop pouring out this abuse on me and the people that I love, then count me in as a player. But if you're not going to change, then count me and my family out. And right now, some of you have a lump in your throat because you know God is telling you that you need to stop passively absorbing anger and do what Jesus told you to do and sit down and have a hard conversation with somebody. Jesus teaches that you must not respond to angry people by just passively absorbing their anger. Because if you do, it will do damage to you. So the first thing we need to say uh, when it comes to God's rage remedies is the big picture. And the big picture that we, we cannot miss here is that I must refuse, if I'm going to follow God's way, I have to refuse the two unhealthy responses to an angry person. Rage escalating and rage absorbing. Now that we've got the big picture, let's go back and, uh, to God's uh, word here in, in James chapter 1 and God's four rage remedies. And God's first rage remedy is make listening your reflexive response in a confrontation. If my neighbor accuses my dog of destroying her garden, um, I must refuse the knee-jerk reactions of rage escalating or rage absorbing. And instead, I want my reflexive response to be listening. The, this idea of a reflexive response is implied by that word quick uh, in verse 19. Everyone should be quick 
to listen. James says that as soon as I sense anger in another person, I must be quick for reflexive listening. And the best way to signal uh, to an angry person that you are in listening mode is to ask some questions. If your spouse snaps at you or uh, comes at you with a sarcastic comment, ask a question. If your spouse is giving you an angry look or a cold shoulder, ask a question. A question like, what's your problem? No, no, that's not the right question. That's not the, no. Uh, what's the matter with you? Uh, that's not the right question. Okay, the right question is... Uh, Something like, uh, uh, are you upset with me? Or is there something we should talk about? And your spouse says, uh, yeah, I'm upset. We decided that we were going to take this week off to do landscaping around the house, but I ended up working in the backyard by myself while you put it around inside. Now, this is where the real listening starts. The real listening starts when you refuse the impulse to start defending yourself and listen. The problem with most of us is that we really don't listen. When we sense anger coming at us, we immediately reflex into fight mode. And while the other person is talking, we're not listening. We're thinking of our next counter argument. But if I really listen, I can hear what is behind the anger. I can hear the roots of the rage, the primary causes, which are always hurt and frustration and insecurity. I love how God models this uh, reflexive listening with Cain. God asked Cain questions. Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? God was trying to help Cain Get to the roots of his rage. Cain's anger with his brother was misplaced anger. God knew that Cain's real problem was his inner struggle with hurt and frustration and insecurity. If you are an angry Cain today, God asks you, why? Really, why are you angry? God wants to get you to the roots of your rage by listening, listening to yourself. Real listening reveals the primary cause of anger. Going back to your spouse's anger in the backyard, if you really listen, you will detect the primary cause of your spouse's anger, which leads to the second rage remedy. Remedy number two is slow anger by exercising understanding. Uh, Verse 19 commands me to be slow to anger. But the question is, how does God want me to slow down the anger process? Well, the answer to this question goes back to the word for listen. The word for listen in verse 19 means much more than just hearing words. The word for listen implies exercising understanding. We're exercising understanding is looking for the primary cause of the person's anger and then putting myself in that person's place in an attempt to understand how that other person feels. For instance, I exercise understanding uh, and I may detect that in the backyard my spouse's primary cause of anger was hurt because my spouse was looking forward to spending time with me and when I wasn't around my spouse felt hurt. Or I may discover that my spouse's uh, primary anger cause was frustration because I'd set up expectations uh, and failed to meet them. Or I may discover that 
uh, because my parents are coming for a visit and my spouse's anger came from insecurity anger and a desire to make a good impression on hard-to-please in-laws. Whatever the cause, I need to understand the primary cause through listening. And after I'm, I'm in the process of understanding, I can put myself in the other person's shoes and this kind of understanding slows down the anger process, which leads to the third remedy. Uh, in responding to an angry person. Remedy three is express. Express understanding. Uh, Verse 19 indicates that there's a primary place for listening, but there's also a place for speaking. Uh, James says, be slow to speak. There is a time to speak after I exercise understanding. After I exercise understanding, then I can express understanding. After I understand the hurt, frustration, insecurity, anger behind the angry words, I can then express my understanding by saying something like, "Um, you know, I understand why you're angry. Um, You know, I think what you're saying makes some sense. and Maybe I'd be angry too. I guess if I were in your shoes, I'd feel the same way. I've worked these remedies with a lot of people who are very angry at each other. And at this point, someone always says, well, I'd like to express that kind of understanding. I'd like to say what you're saying makes some sense, but I don't like to lie. (laughs) Well, the truth is, expressing understanding is never a lie if you've taken God's first two remedies. If I really listen and I really exercise understanding, I will be able to honestly say to the other person, I can understand why you are angry. I'm not saying that the person is right. I'm not saying that the issue is closed. I'm just saying I can understand. And this simple act of expressing understanding is really the key to responding to an angry person God's way. The simple act of expressing understanding is almost miraculous in the way it diffuses rage in angry people. Nothing will calm your neighbor more than simply saying, you know, I can understand why you're angry about your garden. I guess I would be too. Nothing will disarm your teenage daughter more than simply saying, yeah, I can understand why you're angry about not being able to go to this party. I guess if I were in your shoes, I would probably be a little angry too. Now, it's not like your daughter's going to say, you are such a great parent. You know, oh man, that does everything. No, it's not going to diffuse everything. But if you are able to express some understanding, you may be in a position where uh, you're... Teenage daughter will listen to your reasoning about how you love her too much to uh, let her go to a party that is likely to uh, include some dangerous elements. In other words, whether it's your spouse or your neighbor or your teenager, the simple act of expressing understanding earns you the right to move on to God's fourth remedy. Remedy number four is to resolve the anger-causing issues. Uh, Verse 20 says... That human anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. So with every confrontation, God has a number one desire. And that is 
that there would be righteousness, that there would be a right relationship that would emerge from this, and that I would do my part to resolve the conflict and make peace. So the fourth remedy is where uh, if my dog did dig up my neighbor's garden, I say something like, uh, I'm sorry about your garden. Uh, What can I do to make this right? And of course, if my dog didn't do it, then I need to tell my side of the story and say, well, the truth is uh, our dog died six months ago. Uh, But, you know, um, my spouse is really angry about me not working in the backyard. She probably did it. So uh, God's uh, rage remedies are make listening your reflexive response. Slow anger by exercising understanding. Express understanding and then resolve the anger causing issues. And you may be saying, I can't do this. I'll never be able to respond to anger God's way. And you know what? In a way, you're right. You can't respond to anger God's way, but Jesus can. And if you ask him to guide you and transform you and live through you, In his power, you can apply God's rage remedies. James speaks to this in verse 21. He says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. Now, in these words, James answers the question that most of us are asking right now. How in the world am I ever going to become someone who is quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? Listen, I know myself. I know whenever I'm irritated or frustrated, I'm not going to remember these four remedies. It's only been 30 seconds and I can't remember what they are. Jesus has an answer for us through what James says here. James answers this question when he writes, Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. In these words, James agrees that I will never become a rage-remedied person by force of will and just my effort. By my own effort, I'll never remember the techniques of de-escalating anger in the moment. But here's the good news. I don't have to remember these techniques because they are God's word. And God has already planted his word within me as a follower of Jesus Christ. James' word for planted here is really interesting. Uh, James' word for planted is the Greek word emphotos. And this word emphotos is used here and only here in the entire Bible. And the word refers to knowledge that is infused, not acquired. This is not acquired knowledge by studying. This is infused knowledge. Let's say I give you a book on how to de-escalate anger. If you read that book, you'll acquire some knowledge about how to de-escalate anger in your relationships. The knowledge you acquire may help you a little bit, but it probably won't empower you very much because you'll put it aside, you'll forget it, and you won't be empowered in the moment to actually respond in a de-escalating kind of a way. But now, imagine that you tried to give that book to some other person, and that person says, oh, no, thanks, I don't need that book. Um, I already know everything in that book. And you say, why, did you read it? And the person says, no, I didn't read it. I was born 
knowing the information in that book. That knowledge was infused into me when I was born. Well, you would think that person was pretty special. Well, guess what? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and a child of God, you are special just like that on an infinite scale. Because through Jesus, God says that he infused into you the truth of his word. When you were born again through faith in Jesus, you were infused with the truth about de-escalating anger, about being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. These truths of God's word are implanted in you. And unlike a book that's probably not going to help you very much, James says that this word planted in you can save you. Because this word is a person. The Greek word is logos. And this logos is a person. Jesus and his Holy Spirit. So does this fact that the word of God is implanted in me as a believer, does that mean that I can be complacent and apathetic about growing in God's rage remedies? No, just the opposite. I am called by God in this word here to humbly accept this word planted in me. I'm called to the continuous act of humble acceptance of God's power to respond to confrontation and angry people in a Christ-like way. And as I humbly receive Jesus' rage remedy, he fills me with his peace and then empowers me to grow in the rage remedies. He empowers me to actually be a peacemaker in my relationships. He empowers me to bring peace to this world that is so desperate for God's rage remedies.